get to it it is wednesday december 6th with aaron vickers of nhl.com it's steinberg along with you on this hour of flames talk on apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts hi fix hey buddy don't mind me i'm still just trying to figure out how to get comfortable over here yeah well you know it's day one settling in day one on the gig and, yeah. and it's happy to we're happy to have you i remember my first day he says from our uh Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. So I'm going to say something really super obvious here, but it's really, for me, the only topic that needs to be discussed surrounding the Flames right now. Um, This slow start thing and this playing from behind thing is really becoming a problem. And I know that you come here for Sherlock Holmes-like discoveries and and rocket science-type insight. Does that make me Watson? Yeah, I would think so. Or me, you can be Sherlock. I don't care. Um, this th- this is no longer a, a fun, plucky thing where the Flames come back and find ways to win, and they're the comeback kids. Two this, point no. This is becoming <laughs> this is becoming an issue. They trailed for fifty seven plus minutes on Saturday. Then Tuesday against Minnesota, they trailed for fifty eight plus minutes. So they are uh, th- they now sit. 30th and second overall in the NHL in two respective categories, and neither of them are super flattering. They are 30th overall in terms of time spent playing with the lead. Through their quarter plus of the season, the Flames have spent 272 minutes and three seconds playing with the lead. That puts them 30th overall. Only Anaheim and Chicago have spent less time playing with the lead this season. Then on the other hand, 790 minutes and nine seconds they have spent playing from behind. That is second overall. Only Anaheim has spent more time playing from behind this season. This is not a manufactured storyline. I understand that players are getting sick of us asking about it. I, I, I fully understand because it feels like that's all we're asking about right now. But I'm sorry, it needs to be fixed. It is the... Number one issue that has plagued this team. And you can tell me all you want about this team's poor power play. And it's true. The power play has been a significant issue too. But this is the number one issue. They have trailed too much in games. They have started slow too many times. They have found themselves behind going into third periods far too often. It is amazing they have the record that they do right now. It is actually quite an accomplishment that they are flirting with 500, knowing that they have trailed um, more than 30 other teams in the NHL and have led um, less than 28 other teams or 29 other teams in the NHL. These are bad stats, and and the more this happens, the more that this trend continues, the less that they're going to be able to find comeback magic and the less that we're going to be talking about the ways that they find ways to win, we're going to be talking about this being a very detrimental part of their season and a detrimental trait in, in terms of the way they play. They, they, 
it's it's not rocket science. This is not a hot take, but they have got to figure this out, and they have got to start figuring it out ASAP. And until they do, the players are going to remain pissed off at us because we're going to keep talking about it. If they don't correct it, it'll be the fatal flaw to their season. And you mentioned the power play being not up to par, and, and you're right, it hasn't been. But the fatal flaw as it stands through over a quarter of the season has been the starts and you ran through a whole bunch of numbers. So I'm just going to pile on some more. And if it's being mean, so be it, but the flames have trailed first in each of the past seven games. So they have not scored first in seven straight. They've been outscored 11, five in the first period in those games. I don't know if this is better or worse. I guess I'll leave that open to interpretation, but they have trailed first in 11 of 14 games and outscored 19 to 10 in first periods over that. Now, despite that, they're still finding ways to win. As you kind of mentioned, they were tied for, they're tied for third currently in the NHL with six wins when opponents score first. They led the NHL with seven comeback wins in November, and they're tied for first in the NHL, four wins when trailing after two periods. So to a certain point, they have been able to survive. I know it looks bad over the course of the past couple of games because, of course, they've lost those games. But always playing catch-up hockey is not a sustainable thing to do and it taxes you physically. It certainly taxes you mentally. I can only imagine what the mood and the reaction is on the bench when they go down one, nothing for a seven straight game. Mm -hmm. Here we go again. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. We'll put your hard hat on. It's time to go to work and whatever other cliche you want to bust out, but you can't keep doing it game in game out. And I imagine as frustrated as the players are, answering our questions about their starts that don't really have any true answers. Otherwise, you know, it's yeah, they would have do fixed that, it by do now. that and it'd be yeah. fixed. But at the same time, I think they've got to be a bit more frustrated with the fact that it has been seven straight games. They haven't scored first more so than the, Oh man, what's Pat going to ask me today? The start. Oh, here we go again. I don't, I singled you out. I mean, you're not the only one, but you're the only one sitting across from me right that, now. That is, that is correct. By the way, um, quick math tells me uh -oh. that they're over 50% of the time this season they've spent playing from behind. They have trailed in games more than half the time. And uh, again, quick math using the old calculator, because I can do this. I, I can uh, do this. Is there a jeopardy? Um, they less than 18% of the time they have played with the lead. So more than 50% of the time. They've trailed less than 18% of the time they have played with the lead. So just, just hold on one more second because I'm really excited to do this almost three times as much. They have trailed almost three times as much as they have led this season. We're more than a quarter of the way into this flame season. They have got to figure this the hell out. I was really hoping that you would just bust out. And for the remaining X percent, they've been tied. That's what I was really gunning for there. But you took it to the next level. Three times as much time spent trailing than Ish. leading this season. Well, Almost. ballpark. Yeah, ballpark. Okay, you're going to be the Sherlock. I'll be the Holmes because I'm not going to do math like that. Um, that's the same person, Sherlock. And oh, Holmes. yeah, Watson. My bad. Um, See, this is really why you're Sherlock. You got to the bottom of that in a heartbeat. So I, I really I think it's a good thing that they have belief. I think it's a good thing that they believe that they can come back and win. As Mackenzie Weger told us on a post-game show last week, I think it was the Vegas win. Uh, it was either the Vegas or the Dallas win, but I, I, you know what? It was actually the Dallas win because that was the win that he tied the game in. So after the Dallas win last week, uh, we were just talking post-game, and, and 
I asked him, you know, just about the belief. He said, yeah, it's not a win unless we come back right now. But that's got to stop. And, and I think the players are now starting to really become, I think they've been aware of that, but they're now, that's the messaging that's coming from them now. So the belief is great. And the wins that they've picked up via comeback are great. You can't take them away. The points remain. You don't, you don't get style points. You don't get, well, you know what? You weren't good for this amount of time, so we're only going to You're not prorating you the points. Of, right, exactly. So I don't think it's a bad thing that they believe that they can come back in games, but this is also the NHL, and they are not markedly better than any team in the NHL. Like they are, th- th- this league is closer than it ever has been, yep. which means if you're a middle-of-the-pack team like the Flames are, you really aren't that much better than a bottom-of-the-barrel team, and so you're going to have games where it doesn't matter who you're playing. If you're down by two or down by three after 40 minutes of play, you're not going to make it interesting. And I'm sorry, they did not make it interesting on Tuesday. You can tell me all you want about Dustin Wolf coming in and sparking him. Yeah, for like five minutes. And then they were down by three again. And they got off to a great start in the third period. They scored the goal. And then they were down by three again. And when you're playing NHL teams on the other side, which my belief is they will be playing NHL teams for the rest of the season. I'll fact check that in the break. Um, more and more, when you fall behind, teams are going to figure it out because other teams are getting into their groove as the season goes along. And other teams are also starting to realize that the Flames have a little bit of a history of coming back. So they're going to be even more on guard and alert to that. Kind of like I think Minnesota was on Tuesday night. Long story short, your comeback magic and your comeback potion is going to become less and less effective as the season goes along. Yeah, it's not bad that you have belief that you can come back. It's bad that you continually have to come back. And what it's going to do is you're going to shorten your bench so your top two or top three lines are going to play a lot more, and that's going to be physically fatiguing if you're having to do it game in, game out like the Calgary Flames have. There'll be a mental aspect to it as well. But what it does is now it forces you as a team to play outside of your structure because you have to take more chances because if you're down two or three goals, you need to generate offense however you can, and that's going to be cheating the system for offensive opportunities, which opposition is going to continually exploit better and better once they get reads on the Calgary Flames having to continually battle back again. So it's going to be a a trickle-down effect of, oh, okay, well, it's great the Calgary Flames could do it for a little bit, but it's not sustainable over the long term. John is angry at us for suggesting that. On the text line, uh, John says that the 1967 Toronto Maple Leafs often trailed going into the third period. Um, Stop saying they have to do things you don't really know. (sighs) I mean, if you just look. No, no, no. You said it's unsustainable. You don't know. Vix, you do not know. Hold on. I just. Look, I'm still, I still have. I still have some. You got some. I still have some scars from Robert's call on Tuesday night. Uh, look, yes, there are always teams that buck trends, but they're trends for a reason, and history bears things out for a reason, and I am very confident in saying the Flames will be a better, more successful team if they stop trailing to the extent that they are, and if they start controlling more games, and if they start going to third periods with uh, more leads. You know, remember remember that look that... that look to the heavens that um, Mackenzie, and not Mackenzie Weaver, Jonathan Huberto had in that game in Seattle when they, they finally took a multi-goal third period lead. It was like, finally. Well, that's because 
it really is significantly less taxing mentally and physically when you're not always chasing games. When you are chasing games all the time, it wears on a team mentally. I've had enough players who have played in the league tell you that, yeah, it's a mental thing. You're chasing a season, you're chasing games, and eventually that takes its toll. But listen to Ryan Huska, because uh, I asked the head coach about both sides of it after practice on Wednesday, and the head coach says it's it's taxing physically and mentally. When you're, you're chasing games, you tend to overplay guys. So you're going to put your guys that you expect to generate offense on the ice more often than they probably should be. So when you're always chasing a game, those guys at times play too much. Whether it's your forwards or your, your top defensemen that you're looking to generate a little offense, they're on the ice too much. So that, that's a, a big thing. When you're playing with the lead, um, there's more time for you to get everybody involved in the game and stay involved in the game. Could be a mentally taxing thing too. For sure. Uh, well, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, they look at it like we're chasing again, <laughs> you know, here we go again type thing. So absolutely, it's something that we have to work on and we have to correct. And a lot of that comes to preparation and focus. So kind of uh, enough's enough. And here's Jonathan Huberto talking about it after practice as well. The words on you. I mean, it's tough. Like you said, every game you need to chase and and be down. So I think it's important for us to kind of, you know, I don't know, this year we've been up two goals going to the third or something, you know, kind of feel better about, about yourself. So I think that's the thing we need to, to get into our, into the room, to the, you know, into, into our game. And that's important. I think that's the thing we're going to focus on uh, the next few weeks. Text line's open at 960-960. Steinberg Vickers along with you this hour on Flames Talk. Because I do have, not now, like you start throwing out the rhetorical questions or the unanswerable questions, and then you start coming up with different ideas, and I don't think any of them are necessarily wrong because nobody seems to know the answer, not us on the outside, not them on the inside. The, the first question is, why does this continue to be a problem? Because remember, as the Flames were seeing their season really get away from them after the All-Star break last year, this was a constant talking yep. point as well not starting on time, not being ready for puck drop. I remember one of my biggest gripes was that they didn't put Jacob Pelche into the lineup for all those important games with their season still on the line. And my reasoning was Pelche's energy, Pelche's enthusiasm, the way that he plays on the ice, his game, that could really help counteract even in a small way potentially how poorly the group was starting games and here we are one season later new coach different uh slightly different personnel and we're still talking about this so this is not a new thing this was not this is not just a a last year thing this is not just a this year thing so i don't know the answer but it's a fair fair question like why does this remain a problem well, and I lean to Blake Coleman speaking post-game Tuesday night after the loss to Minnesota, and he goes, well, I've got to put, like, he was only speaking for himself. He wasn't speaking for the entire group, but he was basically like, I've got to take a look at my entire game day, essentially, and my approach to preparing for games and tweak and or overhaul it however I need to to see if there's another way to go about this because the way that it's working right now isn't. It's not working. And surrendering the first goal just doesn't set you up for any sort of long-term success. You can beat it in the micro, but you're not going to beat it in the macro. And to that point, to the texter previously, 
about the 67 Maple Leafs. I did some math, Patrick. You'll be proud of me. There have been 262 wins this season in the NHL by the team leading after two periods. Uh-huh. 52 by teams trailing. So 262 versus 52. That's about five times as many wins if you're leading than trailing. Now, that's just after 40. So that doesn't necessarily even address the fact that they've given up the first goal of the game seven times. But it certainly is a trickle-down effect. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're not playing with the win, or part, playing with the lead, pardon me, your odds of winning are significantly hampered. Uh, by the way, I did go and pull up the numbers. You can do this at NHL.com. Yeah. Just for the hell of it, because John was called us really stupid. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, when trailing after the second period, were 2-21-6 and six that year. So... <laughs> They they tied six times, won twice, and lost twenty one times. So I don't know what to not tell ideal. You. It's not it's not like uh, them coming from Facts behind was a reason why they won the Stanley Cup that year. Uh, again, I don't know what to. And also in the playoffs, they were zero and three when trailing after forty minutes. You know what, I John? I think I just ran right over your theory, man. I I don't know. I. I just I, I don't usually I don't usually feel like my statistical analysis wins. Sometimes I feel it, it gives me a little bit more backing for an opinion when I'm having a conversation. I feel like I just got in a bulldozer and ran your opinion right over. I, I you know the, the scene in Austin Powers where the guy is screaming stop <laughs> at the very slow motion uh, paving machine. I feel like I was driving that paving machine and your your Toronto Maple Leafs take was the man who got run over. Here I thought I was doing, you know, uh, great here by pulling out the wins after two versus trailing after two. And no, it isn't earth-shattering analysis that playing with the lead is preferential to not. But just wanted to put it in actual numbers and terms, particularly for that text. Uh, this text says, finish him. <laughs> no. The bulldozer already did. And not him, just the opinion or the, the take. Um this text says this is earth-shattering analysis. Being in the lead equals good. Yeah. Uh, look at nobody said um, it's not. It, nobody suggests that this is earth-shattering analysis. It is fact. This is straight up fact. And the fact that we are talking about this x amount of games, what 25, 26 games into the season, was it twenty five now? and they've allowed the first goal 16 times, and they've been trailing going into the third period way more than they should. Yeah, we're not, we're not trying to solve... We're not trying to solve Rubik's Cubes or really, really complex algebraic problems here. We're trying to get to the bottom of a very basic and simple problem. So yes, we, we are allowed to talk about on-the-surface things when those on-the-surface things are killing this hockey team. And that's why I say... I don't know how you fix the problem at this point. I don't know how you go about rectifying this thing. Start McGratton, Smead, Wes Garth, Blair Jones, and Chris oh, Butler. Was it Butler who I was think on? It was Butsy. Butsy had to square off in that game against Torrance. Eh? Yeah, and that poor kid on the Vancouver Canucks side. Did you, did you mention O'Brien? Was he out there? I don't think he was out there for no? puck drop. No, he was just the peacemaker, making sure that. Uh, Oh no! It was Clint Malarchuk who made sure that John Tortorella didn't. Well, wasn't it? Wasn't Gratz in there too? Kind of between. No, I think it was O'Brien who held, made sure that Tortorella Clint, didn't die at the hands of Clint, Clint Malarchuk. <laughs> Side note: Clint Malarchuk would slash her shin so hard after every skate. Oh, anyways, neither he here nor there. So many times in the middle of interviews, like you'd just be talking to a player, and then he would whack you on the shin, and you had to like 
as you were talking, try to not let it be known yep. that you were in a great deal of pain. The 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 worst before we jump in on the text line to people who aren't being snarks. The worst part about Tuesday for me was that the Flames got away with another bad start. That might have been their worst first period oh, of the year. It was one of them. It was a Minnesota on a Tuesday night throwback. Except not, Min- from, not from the Minnesota, Minnesota perspective, was just, really the Cal- good. just the Calgary perspective. I, I, Matt Boldy's fun to watch. That Faber kid is fun to watch. Hard to believe Kaprizov that. is fun to like. That's a good Minnesota team. Boldy went 10 straight without scoring as four in his last four games, including the two against Calgary. And my goodness, yeah. did he find it. And he was absolutely fun to watch. Kaprizov, fun to watch. Like It was an entertaining Minnesota Wild team. I'm not throwing shade that direction on the Tuesday night at in December against Minnesota. It just was... That's what Minnesota was able to do to Calgary in terms of who did they ever take Calgary right out of that game. Um, but so so they they played an awful first, but we're only down by one. Credit Dan Vladar. Yep, he looked outstanding in that first period. The one goal that beats him, they had to buzz in, and it was perfectly placed, and it was a great move by Felino. Let's like, took advantage of a rookie defenseman on that play, and absolutely place the puck in an absolute perfect spot. It, it felt like it went in. Like, that was the one time I was like, I'm pretty sure we're going to get a buzz. Like, usually I'm like, it took no, a little no. longer than I thought, though. It did. Yeah. I was starting to think, like, oh, man, I was really confident on that one. Because usually, if if the refs doesn't call it a goal on the ice, I'm like, nah, my eyes are deceiving me. But on that one, it came out at such a weird angle. I was like, no, that was definitely in. Come on. Trust yourself. Yep. And I've for once, trusting in myself paid off. But then, so that they're awful in the first Vladar keeps him in it. It's one nothing. You go into the intermission. You say, "Boys, we were junk." Apologi- you, you, apologize to your goalie first, and then and then you go out and you completely like about face in the second period. Like come out, start on time in the second period. Wrong. Two and nine, two two goals in forty five seconds in the first ninety seconds of the second period, and the game's over. And and. I, I don't even begrudge Ryan Huska's decision to make the goaltending I think it was switch. A, I think it was honestly a, a good move, to be honest. Gave him nobody's, a little bit of life. Nobody's stopping that boldy redirect on that slap pass from Kaprizov. Did I love the third goal? N- I didn't know. But at the same time, the guys in front of Dan Vladar weren't giving him anything to work with. And so you make that goalie move. You hope for a spark. You get it. You do it to kind of salvage Dan Vladar, to be perfectly honest, because, again, they were not playing well in front of him. You give Dustin Wolf a little bit of a, I don't want to call it an audition, but you give him a little sample because, you know, he's going to get into games down the road. But, yeah, I have absolutely no problem with that call to pull Dan Vladar at that point. Uh, McGratton, apparently, was the guy who saved That's John thought, Tortorella's yeah. life. Okay. But then I'm also kind of wondering, I guess he'd still be back there because they all got ejected. Yeah. But he still would have been back there. So Oof. Clint would have been. Uh, oh. I, I would have chosen Clint in a head-to-head with uh I would with choose Torts. Clint in a head-to-head over a lot of people. Um, so some text now at 960-960. So we can all agree now Daryl was for sure not the problem. That's from Ben in traffic. Uh, Daryl was, was a problem for sure. Th- there needed to be a change made. Whether you are firmly on Team Daryl or firmly on Team Anti-Daryl, there still needed to be a change. That was untenable by the end. And so the change, that was the most simple change to make for the organization. And so, yeah, when a coach and multiple veteran players are butting heads 
on the outside, you can say that, wow, it's the, the prima donna millionaire players. Or you can be like, it's the old school millionaire coach. I was going to say, don't discount the bank account of the coach. Uh, coaches aren't making five figures and players are making seven. It's uh, they're, they're, they're both doing well. Um, point is, change needed to be made. So it was a problem for sure. Um, this says, uh, so I think Daryl was a problem, but clearly not the only problem. Like what Nikita Zadorov said was right before he left. Yeah. Daryl's Daryl's gone. Um, there's a whole lot, a whole lot less excuses now. Uh, this says, um, boys, I was at Saturday night's game. The biggest issue is the flames are too soft. There was nobody checking. They didn't pressure enough. Guys were just skating around them, and it was stick check city and looked like a figure skating competition. That's from uh, Paul. I don't know what the Paul from Bridlewood. I think is what that means. Um, and Paul, I, I do think one of the areas where the Flames got a little bit of a spark is when you did see a little bit more physicality there. AJ Greer was a part of it. A couple of Jonathan Huberdeau was a part of it. A couple of guys who started to maybe be a little bit more assertive physically. I think that that even if it was temporarily was one of the only times I felt like the Flames had a little spark or a little temporary momentum on Tuesday night. Well, into that thought, the Flames are 23rd in the NHL in hits per 60 minutes at 15.86. Leaders coming in somewhere around 22 or 23. I don't have that off the top of my head. I'm just going off of memory just for comparison's sake. But yeah, I think the Calgary Flames can play a more physical brand of hockey with the players that they have. And, and, and we heard a little bit about that today, too. Uh, this says, I can't count how many times Jacob has let in the first or second shot. It's probably hugely mental. It's been well, less this year. And, um, and in all fairness, it was Dan this time. And there was no Jacob in net on. So that I, I don't know if that even was true. First, it's less than it was last year, too. Jacob's not with the team right now, or at least not on the ice with them. Um, this says, why is this so surprising? Somebody has to be 30th and why not a team that doesn't have high end scoring skill? They're going to be around there all year long and eventually they'll fall well below 500. Um, well, I think to that, I think the expectation should be that the flames are not trailing teams. Like they shouldn't be the 30th place team in the NHL. And this byproduct of surrendering their first goal is just made life miserable for them in terms of coming back, even though they've had some success doing so. Uh, this says, you guys seem upset about this. The more losses, the better this core is broken. They need to ship out the old contracts and lose as many games as possible. Uh, this says, I wonder if the team's poor starts have anything to do with Daryl's hard-ass nature and presence being gone. As I said, that's to a mic text. This was a problem down the stretch last, last year. year when he was still here. And finally, this says need scoring. If only they had someone in the AHL that might be able to help. I believe that text is talking about Matt Coronado, who I, I believe it's overdue that they give the recall to. But we'll see if that happens sometime in the near future. Uh, with Vickers, I'm Steinberg. We're underway this hour on Flames Talk. Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. And we are coming at you this hour on the program from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Daily Flames Roundtable time brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. 
No payments until 2024. Steinberg, Vickers, and now Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, as, uh, well, we might as well continue the theme of the hour so far, boys. And, you know, another really rough start to a game for the Flames. Uh, now the comeback magic has been less effective in recent games on top of that, especially the last two games. Look, they're, they're, they're playing from behind too often. They're leading nowhere near enough if they want to be a surefire bonafide playoff team. So, guys, is uh, is this the number one issue for the Flames or is the power play the number one issue for the Flames that needs to be rectified right now? Yes. <laughs> I mean, Touché. that's the right answer, isn't it? Uh, I actually think starts are a bigger problem than the power play. Uh, I think the power play was a huge issue because the Flames weren't getting off to good starts. So you'll take a look at last Saturday's game against the Canucks. Uh, a couple of the power play goals helped them battle back in that game and gave them a chance to tie it the final minute and to potentially pick up a point or two. But if they hadn't fallen behind, you know, for the most part, their five-on-five play has been pretty darn good and their power play has been pretty good. So uh, they wouldn't have to to rely on the power play. They wouldn't need power play goals. Now, They've got to get the power play going. It, it has not been very good this season. But I think the starts are a bigger issue, guys. The Flames have surrendered the first goal in 12 of the last 15 games. And some way, somehow, even without their power play going, they have an above 500 record in those games, which is astounding. When you look at the stats, uh, that, that shouldn't be the case. And they've also given up the first goal in 16 of the 25 games they've played in this season. Those are not good numbers. Uh, the stats prove that if you score first, you've got a much better chance to win games. So uh, they've they've got to figure out the starts. And falling behind one nothing is one thing, like they did last night. They were down one nothing after the first period, but still very much in that hockey game because of Dan Vladar, who was outstanding in the first period. If they had started the second period on time, who knows? Maybe they win or at least pick up a point, but they didn't. And truth be told, they were probably where they should have been 21 and a half minutes into the game. Uh, it just took them a minute and a half longer to get there. It probably should have been a three goal game through 20 minutes last night. So they've got to get the starts figured out. And one thing uh, I'm wondering about and kind of asked Ryan Huska about it today. There are a handful of teams around the league that will start their energy line at the beginning of every period unless they have a power player or on the penalty kill or something. But if they're even strength, they start their energy line. And I think the idea is you try to win the face off, get the puck in, get north-south players on the ice, and try to generate some momentum, get your opponent back on their heels, and, and get through your four lines and three pairings as quickly as you can to get everybody involved in the hockey game. So I wonder if that's maybe a strategy the Flames could try moving forward. Is it a hedge if I say they need to convert on their first period power plays? Because that really covers off both. And <laughs> I does. think that that is probably the lamest answer of the three of us. So I'm not going to go that way. Um, I think it's the starts. And Pat, you have a pile of stats that I'm sure you'll get to. I'll save them for you. But yeah, as Willsie mentioned, they've trailed first in each of the past seven games. Somehow they're 3-4-0 in that. Yeah, they've trailed in 11-14 of 14 in that sequence, 5-5-1. Five, five, and one. So they've managed to claw out a 500 record, as you mentioned, Willsie. But this is something that's just not sustainable. You can't continually come back. It's great to have the belief that you can, and we've seen that belief quite a bit, but it's bad when you actually have to do it continually, game in, game out. It's taxing physically, it's taxing mentally, and it's just not a recipe for ending the night with two points. And the Calgary Flames, by way of a, a very terrible start, 
are trying to claw their way back into the Pacific Division picture, trying to claw their way back into the wild card picture in the Western Conference. And you're not going to be able to do that if you're automatically down one nothing at the start of every game. It's uh, and and I, I threw out the the numbers earlier this hour, so I don't need to throw them out, you know, in in their entirety again. But when you're talking about more than fifty percent of their season, uh, it's it hovers. It's kind of between uh, fifty one and fifty two percent of their season so far. They've played from behind and less than eighteen percent of the season they've held a lead. That th- these are these are not sustainable ways of playing in the twenty twenty three National Hockey League. They're just not. The other teams are too close. Whether they're the San Jose Sharks, Chicago Blackhawks, Columbus Blue Jackets, or Buffalo Sabers, or whatever you know bad team you want to point at, that they're not that much worse than Calgary, or Calgary's not that much better than they are. Especially when you're a middle of the road team like the Flames are. Right? The Flames. What what we talked about is them being maybe a, a third place team in the Pacific, or maybe a wild card team. So the this team, I think the the perception is, yeah, they're a middle of the road team. So if you're a, a middle team. You're not. There's just not that much of a difference between you and a team that's fighting for 31 or 30 in the NHL. And so, the more that you play from behind like this, the less that you're going to be able to come back with this magic and find ways to win. Eventually, that wears off. And and the other part of that is what I think Minnesota was very aware of on Tuesday night. That okay, the Flames have got a lot of belief. The Flames have got a a little bit of a reputation here of being the comeback kid. So if you're a coach and you're leading after 40 minutes of play and you're playing the Flames, you're putting your team even a little bit more on guard. Hey, do not take this group lightly. You're up by X amount of goals, but these guys, when they start feeling it, if they get that one goal, they're going to really start to feel it. So let's even be more on guard against that. That all plays into it as the season goes along. Long story short, it's just not sustainable. They, They... should be a group that can start games on time. You don't need to be the world's best team to start games on time or start periods on time. I don't know when, if they're going to fix it, but I know they have to. And I do wonder if uh, all of the come from behind wins, seven of them overall, five of them in the third period, have created a mindset where the, the players feel as if the start isn't as important because they have battled back so many times this season. So I think uh, they have to change that mindset if if that's what's happened, because uh, as Aaron said, it's great that there is belief on that bench that they can battle back from a one, two, or even three goal deficit, which they did in a game against the Maple Leafs last month where they didn't pick up two points, but they did get one. But it's just not a recipe for success. It never has been. It never will be. And truth be told, Flames aren't built to be a team coming from behind all the time they don't have that kind of offensive firepower now they've scored more this season than they did last season but uh, that's just not going to be what's going to work for them moving forward so we'll see if they can uh, figure out the start i did like what michael backland said post game last night that it was something they addressed right after the game and that they'll be better 
in the next game. So we'll see if they are better in the yeah. next game against the Hurricanes on Thursday. Daily Flames Roundtable, Steinberg, Vickers, and uh, Derek Wills is the voice of the Calgary Flames to complete our roundtable. Gents, uh, practice on Wednesday looked like Martin Pospisil will come right back into the lineup. He got the healthy scratch treatment in Tuesday's loss against Minnesota. First time in the NHL he sat and watched from on high. Um, so looks like he's coming right back in on that line with Nazem Kadri and Connor Zary. Do we uh, do we like the the method? Do we agree with the sit for one, take a step back approach here with Pospisil? Well, it's a hard question to answer because uh, I want to see how he responds to being a healthy scratch for the first time in his NHL career. I think it will work with him, uh, just the way he handled uh, sitting out uh, on Tuesday night and you know, the. The look on his face uh, when he had to skate longer than the rest of his teammates, uh, kind of his body language, uh, watching him practice today, getting prepared for Thursday's game. I do think it will work. I thought he he fell off three or four games in a row, uh, wasn't playing with the same kind of energy that he did when he first got recalled, when he was basically shot out of a cannon every night. And I almost expect that to happen with, with most rookies in this league because and we've heard it before. It's an everyday league. Mentally it is. Physically it is. And a guy like Martin Pospisil with his skill set can get away with not being at his best in the AHL and could probably still be an impactful player, even if he's at 75%. But in the NHL, in the role that he's playing, uh, with the opportunity that he's been giving, playing on that Kadri and the kids line with Connor Zeri and Nazem Kadri, he can't be at 75%. That's not going to be good enough for him at this stage of his career. But I think giving him a chance to just reset mentally and physically and to uh, light a fire under him will get him going. It has worked with some players. It hasn't worked with other players on this team. But I suspect it probably will work with Pospisil knowing uh, the way the guy's wired. Yeah, I don't think it's the worst strategy to give him a little rest, get him squared away, let him reset physically and mentally. Because as you mentioned, Wilsey, he started out like a house on fire. He had five points in his first seven games, no points in his next seven games. And even in that stretch where he wasn't productive, I thought he did some good things, some okay things. But to your point, okay isn't good enough in the NHL. And we've seen his ice time drop over the course of the last three games. Played 837 against Vancouver on Saturday. Has averaged around 10 minutes in the past three so to me, there's no harm in having him watch a game, maybe do that mental and physical reset. Maybe he can identify some things from up top that he wasn't seeing from ice level because as we know, our vantage point, everything happens so slow and from ice level, everything happens so fast. So I have no issue with sitting him for a game, getting him right back in and seeing if that can reignite him a little bit. Yeah, the fact that he's going right back in for me is is the the most important part because I don't think he I, I don't think it would have been uh, the way to go to all of a sudden just bring him out of the lineup. I think it because he's been such an impact maker and because he was a big part of why the flames had such a much better November than they did in October, I, I think you're doing it only for a purpose and and not as a punishment, but as a, hey, let's try and get this guy back where he was tool, because yeah. of how impactful he was. And I just, I, I there, there's a lot of times like you, you, you do the job that I do and you take calls and texts after 82 games plus a year. And there's a lot of talk about, well, this guy's not going veteran X isn't playing very well. Put him in the press box, send a mess. I, I don't, I don't prescribe to that method with, established NHLers in year five and year eight and year 12, because I, I just don't think those, those guys don't need quote unquote wake up calls. I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that 
hard and fast. I don't prescribe to it, but I just I don't think it is anywhere near as effective as it is with a player that is still learning the league. And this is not an attempt to punish Martin Pospisil. It's it was an attempt to say, okay, this is Willsey, to your point. This is an everyday league, and playing in an everyday league is physically taxing and mentally taxing, and it is difficult. So sometimes you do need, whether it's a mental or a physical rest, sometimes those things are needed with guys who are still learning the NHL. Look, I think that the the Connor Zary scratch that we saw a few weeks ago, yes, there was a lower body injury involved, but I think it did some good. Uh, I think it did some physical and some mental good, and he's been great since he sat out that one game. I just think with younger players who are learning the grind of the NHL, it is so different than anywhere else that you're going to play. Sometimes you just need to manage mental and physical energy levels. And I think that's the only reason why Pospisil came out for a game. And and now the message is, look, this is what you did well for us, and it made a big impact. We don't need you to score every game. We don't need you on the score sheet every game. But the forecheck, the edge, the physicality, the skating, the hard-nosed approach, these are things that make an impact and help us win. We need more of those simple straight lines things from you. I, I, I actually am... am pretty optimistic it, it works quite well with this player yeah I'm in complete agreement and Martin Pospisil for me is a player who can still be effective even if he's not scoring goals and producing points because the Flames really need his energy the way he skates and gets him in the forward check he plays the game with edge so I think that he can continue to have an impact on games even if he's not putting the puck in his opponent's net or helping one of his teammates do that. But with that said, I also think that if he plays the right way, those things are going to happen for him because he's playing with two very talented players in Connor Zeri and Nazem Kadri. And, you know, when I think about my, my 10 years calling flame games, all of the top rookies have been a healthy scratch for at least a game. You know, Johnny Gaudreau, Sam Bennett, uh, Matthew Kachuk, they, they've all been healthy scratches along the way and have responded well to that. So it's it's just something that most young players have to go through at some point in time. And I do wonder if Connor Zeri hadn't been dealing with a lower body, body injury, if he would have been made a healthy scratch at some point because I thought his game kind of fell off. And Pat, to your point, after he came back, uh, he's looked re-energized. It looks like he's right mentally and physically, and he's been a really impactful player again. So I expect the same from Martin Pospisil. So I'm anxious to see him. Uh, and I think they're going to need him and his speed and his energy uh, playing against uh, Devils and Hurricanes teams in the next couple of games that certainly have plenty of that with uh, their speed and, and the energy they get from their young players. Yeah, Pospisil, pardon me, can Popsicle. skate. Popsicle can skate. He can be physical. <laughs> he can be a pest. And he's shown some pretty high-end talent at times. So giving him a reset, letting him come back in, Right away, as you mentioned, Pat, I think you don't necessarily need to stretch this out to three or four or five games. Get him back in, have him retune, and, and send him out there to provide your team some energy because the Flames have needed that. I uh, yeah, I'm curious to see uh, how it works, but I'm I'm fairly confident, like you are, Willsey, that that this is one that works pretty well for this player. Again, because it wasn't a punishment so much as it was a trying to get a guy who is really important to you back to being at that level. So uh, good stuff, Willsey. We'll do it again on a game day Thursday. Thank you, man. 
Okay, guys. Have a good night. He is Derek Wills. He is Aaron Vickers. My name is Pat Steinberg, and that will uh, start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Of course, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts, and that'll do it for the Daily Flames Roundtable. By the way, thanks to uh, Taylor Cam, our producers, and Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 Formatic Coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for one thousand ninety nine a month no payments until 2024